That's another frustration that people talk about the role of Russian money in politics. Russian money isn't in politics, out with the Conservative Party. That was Angus MP Dave Dugan. We'll hear more from him later in the show. Hello and welcome to The Stushy, the Scottish politics podcast from DC Thompson that helps you be better briefed. I'm Andy Phillip and on this episode I'll be joined by colleagues Rachel Amory and Callum Ross to examine and explain the last week in Scottish politics. Of course this week it would be impossible to start without discussing what's happening beyond our borders. On the other side of Europe, soldiers are dying in the defence of Ukraine. We recorded this one day after Vladimir Putin's regime ordered an invasion warning everyone else to stand by and let it happen or else. Leaders all over the world have condemned the invasion, which effectively brings war to Europe again. But short of military action, what can governments do? Diplomatic missions from the UK, EU countries and the US clearly failed. Sanctions didn't deter Putin. Before the invasion, UK ministers tried to speak to Russians and MPs were in Ukraine offering support. Among them were the SNP MPs David Dugan, Alan Smith and Stuart MacDonald. They said the trip was a demonstration of support and important to show solidarity with Ukraine. It was criticised, however. Former SNP defence advisor Stuart Crawford, who's also ex-military, thought it was grandstanding. Courier political editor Derek Healy talked with Dave Dugan the day before Russia sent in the tanks. He began by asking if the West's early response with sanctions was close to being nearly enough. Yeah, it's barely scratching the surface. And of course, people talk about it's um, uh, people talk about you know f- so the many more oligarchs need to be targeted, um, unexplained wealth orders need to be pursued with great gusto, um, and uh, property ownership needs to be investigated and uncloaked. Shell companies need to be taken down. The you know absolutely no holds barred because what we don't want to do is tickle around the edges to maybe get Putin to pull back this time from the brink. Only be back here in four or five years, you know, with, with something else. Um, so I think, you know, we need to get we need to get those uh, we need to get that full and comprehensive suite of sanctions applied fully and without financial mercy in the because it's our responsibility to do that to diffuse the worst fears of everybody, which is um, an actual conventional kinetic war um, in Europe. Everybody, everybody should do everything they can to avoid that. And just to be really clear, Derek, as well, we hear how difficult this will be for the United Kingdom because Russian money is so integrated into the UK economy. Mm -hmm. Russian money isn't integrated into the UK economy. It's integrated into the London economy, London grad and the laundromat where you put your rubles in and you get your dollars out. That's what's happening here. It's not an issue for the UK, certainly not an issue for Scotland, but it is an issue for London elites and uh, Russian elites, sometimes either the same people. I've seen a lot of people talking about the links between Russia and donations being made to the Conservative Party. How big a role do you think that's had in how this crisis has been managed by the Prime Minister? Uh, I think it's had a significant role because uh, that's another frustration uh, that people talk about the role of Russian money in politics. Russian money isn't in politics out with the Conservative Party. Um, you know, so it needs to be reported um, accurately. And I think, you know, they're not giving that money because they're kind and generous. They're giving that money because they want something. And now, uh, the, now is the time that they expect uh, to call in their payment. 
you know, uh, and I think the 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 um, the UK government and the Conservative Party in particular find themselves in a very difficult spot. That the people that were such an asset to them financially ahead of elections and in between elections are now a very significant political liability, some of whom are actually in the House of Lords. They are parliamentarians in the UK Parliament. It was absolutely unbelievable. Now, Russia, Boris Johnson will hide behind the fact that, oh, you can't give money to um, a, a political party in the UK unless you're a political, uh, unless you're a UK citizen based in the UK. Well, if you're Russian and you're rich enough, you'll soon find yourself a citizen of the UK. I wanted to ask you, I'm sure you've seen some of the criticism around your trip uh, to meet with the foreign ministry. Yeah. I know according to Alan Smith, you, you guys were out there as an SMB delegation, yeah. uh, but none of you, as far as I'm aware, have any kind of direct role in, in UK foreign policy. What have you made of that criticism? Well, we all, all three of us have a direct role in UK foreign policy. Um, I'm a defence procurement spokesperson, um, Stuart MacDonald is our defence spokesperson and Alan Smith is our European Foreign Affairs spokesperson. So we are the third party in the UK Parliament. We do a significantly better job of holding the government to account than the official opposition do in these matters. So uh, I think uh, for some who are uh, hard of thinking, uh, they uh, anticipate that the SNP are down in Westminster somehow as a sort of spare part. You know, they're down there on, on a junket, um, you know, not really doing anything where, you know, and that's fine. If that's the way people want to think, uh, fair enough. I suggest they watch a little bit more Parliament TV and see what we actually do in terms of delivering our arguments on the floor of the House and the preparation that goes into that. And it's perfectly reasonable um, for um, members of Parliament um, to undertake fact-finding missions of that nature. Um, it happens all the time, but funnily enough, it's really only questioned when the SNP do it. One of the particular pieces of criticism I saw picked up was from former SNP defence advisor Stuart Crawford, who is now a, a Lib Dem member. Mm. And his accusation was that you guys were out there grandstanding to emphasise your own importance. That was his words. We, we now have Ukrainian politicians thanking Scotland for its support at the same time that they're criticising the UK for not going far enough with these sanctions. You're in the face of that. How appropriate was it to have an SNP delegation out there, separate from the UK government, uh, making sort of assurances and, and having these discussions when tensions are running so high? It's perfectly appropriate, and it was very well received, um, as we've seen in the article in today's Scotsman. And just to be really clear, um, the SNP, whilst we were in Ukraine, were speaking to the support of the third party in the United Kingdom Parliament. The United Kingdom it has provided, um, I would say, a very positive level of support to uh, the Ukrainian government and the Ukrainian people. And it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do um, in our capacity as people who have to hold the government to account to make sure that what they're doing is effective and, what it, and it's proportionate, is to go and speak to the people uh, affected Perfectly reasonable thing to do. And, you know, nobody would question the Labour Party doing it. I don't even think they'd question the Liberal Democrats doing it. But if the SNP do it, then we're supposed to retreat back into our box somehow and know our place. Well, Scotland's tired of being told to know its place. And Scotland's voice in Westminster won't be told to know its place either. I'm not sure if you saw, but there's um, a fair amount of 
remarks being made on social media about the picture of the three of you with, you know, the union flag was on the table. Yeah. And I think a lot of that criticism, from what I saw anyway, seemed to come from individuals who appeared to be, you know, either members or supporters of Alex Salmond's Alba party. Mm. Uh, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about Alex Salmond. Um, a lot of people raised concerns about having a former SNP First Minister hosting a chat show on, you know, the Kremlin-backed RT station. Do you think Alex Salmond should give up that show? Yes. You, th- you think he should? I think he should. We've seen Scottish Lib Dem leader Alex Cole Hamilton call for party leaders to boycott the, the programme and boycott the station. Would you urge your own party members to do the same? Um, I would. Uh, I would I would suggest that appearing on Russia today is, uh, is uh, not consistent. It's not consistent with, uh, given that, you know, you could argue the point perhaps a few years ago. I don't think you can now. Um, the behaviour of Russia as a belligerent anti-democratic entity in Europe, it would, in my view, uh, negate any possible advantage to appearing on Russia today. And I think at a time where there's such tension, hostility and the threat of war at the hands of Russia, having any association with Russia today uh, or the Kremlin and or any of its tentacles is... Um, not appropriate. That was Dave Dugan speaking with Derek Healy there. Um, an element of crystal ball gazing in that one, of course, just a day before the invasion. And it shows just how fast this attack has upended global stability and, and things that people thought were, were, were never going to happen and now have happened. It's worth pointing out that only days ago, um, Dave Dugan was, was guessing war or hoping war was just still not an inevitability but um he was obviously not happy with the west's response in the days um running up to it um you'll also have noticed he was he was talking about alex salmond not happy with his presence on a state-backed russia today or rt of course mr salmond just last night suspended his show after a huge backlash um but there is a world of difference between suspending it and actually binning it and we'll get onto that a little more later. Let's take things in order though. Rachel, Dave Dugan echoing there what a lot of people had been saying about sanctions. You were listening to that. He, he must have a point, right? That's kind of what um, most countries around the world are trying to impose on Russia right now. Rather than sort of fighting back on with boots on the ground, they're going for financial sanctions. Um, the UK, for example, they've been freezing Russian bank assets and um, sort of any state-owned private companies in the UK, they've been banned from raising any money um, while they're here. They've also banned the national Russian airline Aeroflot from UK airspace. So there's been a few financial sanctions imposed by the UK government already. Um, Keir Starmer from the Labour Party and Nicola Sturgeon have both said this morning that they would like that those sanctions to go further. Um, there, there, there's um, a international banking platform that Russia is still a part of at the moment and both those politicians have called for basically the international community to oust Russia from that so that they've they've got even more sanctions on them. Um, This is actually not a view that's not shared by everybody. Um, Most um, notably is uh, Joe Biden, the US president. He's not so keen on having Russia removed from this banking platform because, well, he says it could it, because it's all based on international trade, it could affect its allies, it could affect other countries as well. Um, so that's a situation at the moment. There's quite a lot of financial uh, um, sanctions at the moment and um, opposition politicians are calling for it to go further. They're wanting more. 
Callum, you you heard Derek asking Dave Dugan there about the the, the trip in general and whether it had been justified when the UK government is in, in charge of foreign affairs. Um, he pointed out that the SNP is a third party, so I mean they have a they have a right to to go there, don't they? Show a bit of support, or is taxpayer cash better spent elsewhere? I think it's an interesting one, Andy, and probably your view on it depends on your like everything else, your view on the on the constitution uh, and and uh, whether you're Never. a critic of the the SNP or not. Um, obviously, it is a, an extremely sensitive time, and you, I guess, there is a legitimate question there over whether it's appropriate. Um, given given the precarious nature of things in the Ukraine uh, in recent weeks, whether it's appropriate to have a different voice um, going over there, aside from the UK government, who's you know got the powers and uh, uh, to act in terms of of foreign affairs. But um, you know, Mr. Dugan makes the point about being the third biggest party at Westminster. Uh, also, the, obviously, the party of government. In Scotland, I seem to remember, you know, Charles Kennedy when he was the leader of the third biggest party at Westminster, meeting people like Yasser Arafat and things like that. So, you know, there's a, you know, there's a justification there as well. And the SNP, you know, for a long time they've, they like to, they work quite hard, I think, at, at um, trying to give the impression that 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 they and Scotland is a an independent country in waiting that. Um, has a place in the world stage, and and this is probably part of that. I mean, I I remember in in twenty thirteen, I think I actually went out to Denmark because Angus Robertson at the time, this was in the run up to the referendum. Angus Robertson was doing some some speeches over there, and we've had the kind of moves to set up you know Scottish government offices and and other European mm. capitals in uh, in recent years. So as you know, there's def- a definite strategy going on there, and it's be to do with future potential EU membership, I suppose, NATO membership, things like that, and just just um, building kind of allies for the future uh, uh, in case Scotland does become independent one day, as, as they would hope. Well, that, that kind of gets the, the, the nub of it, really, though, because obviously the division of Labour is such that in the Scottish Parliament, there's no real you know, powers over any foreign diplomacy, any foreign office type thing. But, of course, the government in Scotland has... Um, adopted a slightly more internationalist role like that, but all that power is held at UK level, embassy network, everything like that, actually dealing state to state. Um, and you mentioned Charles Kennedy when he was Lib Dem leader. Of course, that was a UK party, um, not not trying to exercise something different at the same time. And I, I suppose that the, the criticism is coming because meanwhile, people who are already critical of the SNP are looking at that kind of nation building and then, then they don't really like what they, they see there. I mean, do you think that, um, do you think the point that was raised earlier about Nicola Sturgeon's party looking like it was trying to do something different to the UK government, is that where the, the, the problem comes in? goes beyond just supporting Ukrainians maybe I think potentially yeah and and you know I did make the point that it's a very sensitive time that that's that's where why it's probably not gone down too well uh, in some quarters perhaps more than than the usual just constitutional um divide uh, you know Mr Dugan says that it was very well received um and I don't think I'm not aware of any kind of major long term implications that have come out of out of the trip but it, it may have been slightly um ill-judged 
uh, given 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 just just how sensitive things are at the moment. We're talking about how sensitive things are, and of course, it's not just about politicians. We, you know, we've been hearing a lot about people on the ground who have families there who who have lived in Ukraine. Um, the humanitarian um, implications of all this, which is something that um, Mr. Dugan was was talking about there too. You, you've been uh, talking with all our reporters across our um, titles as well, with people in our communities who are waking up to a very different looking Europe at the moment. And you, you, you spoke to someone as well. What, what's the reaction been like? Is it like everywhere else, just one of surprise? Yeah, surprise and heartbreak, I think, for some people. You know, I, I spoke to a girl I hadn't, hadn't spoken to since uh, I, I went to primary school and secondary school with her, but I don't think I'd spoken to her since... Uh, since school, but I got in touch with her yesterday because I was aware she had lived in uh, Kiev for a long time. Um, she was a, a, a teacher at one of the international schools there, um, and she ended up living there for for twelve years. Although she has left now, but she'd uh, she'd been hearing from um, some of her pupils, you know, her Ukrainian pupils uh, there, and you know, some of them were having to flee, some of them were, you know, trying to sign up. For for the army, some of them didn't know if they were going to be conscripted into the army, you know, just, and this, I guess, this realisation, I mean, I, I obviously don't know what it felt like on the ground there in the Ukraine, but watching from afar, it didn't, I think a lot of people have been caught by surprise a bit with the scale of, of Putin's intentions here. I don't think uh, he, many people expected him to be launching a full-out assault for uh, Kiev and control of the, the entire country so i imagine just kind of huge shock and and yeah heartbreak like i said yeah um nicola sturgeon uh on thursday in parliament so the day that uh tanks were rolling over the border she she, she was talking a lot more about the human cost as well uh, when she addressed the scottish parliament um let's let's hear what nicola sturgeon had to say on thursday there can be no doubt that he must now face the severest of consequences sanctions on him and his network of oligarchs and agents, their expulsion from countries across the world, sanctions on his banks and their ability to borrow and function, sanctions on his energy and mineral companies, and here in the UK, immediate clean-up of the swirl of dirty Russian money in the City of London. But just as Putin must face and feel the wrath of the democratic world, the people of Ukraine must feel and not just hear our support and our solidarity. The world must now help and equip Ukraine to defend itself and resist Russian aggression. We must ensure humanitarian aid and assistance, and we must all stand ready to offer refuge and sanctuary where necessary. Nicola Sturgeon there, leading uh, reaction in Holyrood. She was followed by the leaders of all the parties um, who, who uh, I, th I, I thought struck uh, a really a good tone on that one and there was a lot more about the what can we do next i mean where countries in the west might look entirely impotent in the face of this um invasion um yeah the, there's the the next step which is what happens to the people who are who are now on the move in in ukraine and where they go next um the first minister um had also that day and the days before been speaking about her her former party ally, the ex-First Minister Alex Salmond, who is now, of course, leader of the Alba party. Um, we, we talked about this earlier, and, and, and Dave Dugan was talking about it in, in the interview with Derek there. Um, he, he, for, for a long time, Mr. Salmond's 
um, continually refused to stop broadcasting his his weekly talk show on Russia Today, known as RT these days. Um, it's seen as a bit of a Kremlin mouthpiece. It's state backed. Um, although Mr. Sam's always maintained he's never had any interference from from editors. Um, his show aired again on Thursday, um, but the backlash was clearly getting too much. Because at the end of another day of pressure, he he caved in by the looks of it and pulled his show for the foreseeable future. Rachel, I wondered if you, you were listening to that as well. Why why are people so angry at this show and and the way it's hosted? I mean, it's not it's not like it's just him on it either. I mean, people of all kinds of parties, the conservatives too, have appeared on RT. So why why is there such a focus on Alex Salmon's um, broadcast channel of choice? Well, like you said, lots of politicians do appear in this show. The episode that did air yesterday um, was on Labour and Liberal Democrat cooperation. So, it, yeah, all kinds of politics discussed on this show. But like you said, this um, this is a state-run um, from the Kremlin. It's always had um, accusations that it's too closely tied to the Putin regime, although that is, again, something that Alex Hammond has all, um, said that his show is not involved in. But I think it's yesterday's show, for example, it was discussing British politics while every other news channel and the rest of the coverage on RT that in that morning was focused on the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So yes, it is it is quite jarring to have this show while everything else is discussing U- Ukraine invasion. Um so that that's he had said that um is going to be suspended though he's not said it's going to be done for good mm-hmm. which i think is what's um worrying a few people i thought at that point at this point we should maybe just um mention what mr salmon said when he eventually put a statement out um he said it would be suspended until further notice saying uh we we now have the worst of all fears a hot war in europe um, and he went on to say, there's no productive point in having the future of a television show dominate prime minister's questions when politicians should be rising to the occasion of the great issues of peace in Europe. Um, so there you go. Um, it's all fair for now. Um, and it's not sure what, what uh, Alex Salmond will, will do or, or whether this is really just a way of him quietly taking it off air and, and it won't be back because... Um, it's hard to see how, how how the issue could be resolved in a way that catch, anyone would be happy with. Although there was um, one little twist to it where the Lib Dems were among the parties that were the most vocal trying to get um, Alex Salmon to, to pull his show. And of course, who was the, the star turn on Thursday's episode in, in conversation with Alex Salmon? None other than Sir Vince Cable, uh, former Lib Dem leader. Um, who was uh, quick to repent afterwards in a statement, but, um, you know, he had a book to sell. So there you go. Anyway, Ukraine has clearly dominated the political week, but there's been further changes on the, the global route out of the COVID pandemic here and abroad. Um, on, on the 22nd, Nicholas Sturgeon was in Parliament to set out how we might get back to anything approaching normal. Callum, can you... Tell us um, about this other big moment in the, the Scottish political week. Um, what, what's the changes coming down the road now for Scotland in terms of the, the pandemic? Yeah, it's amazing, Andy, isn't it? We're not used to the pandemic providing the, the, the kind of positive story from the, the week, but in a way it does kind of feel like that. Um, it's just, you know, two months ago around Christmas time, the situation felt really dire, didn't it, as we awaited Omicron. Um 
but now it's kind of feels like we're we're beginning to reach at least the the beginning of the end maybe but obviously i'm not a, a scientist uh you just kind of pick up these uh that sense from the decision makers um don't you um but yeah yeah obviously nicola sturgeon outlined kind of she outlined the latest steps in terms of returning to some kind of um normality this week uh kind of followed um boris johnston doing the same our colleague um adele merson has written up a good um explainer of it all but as i mean some of the key key points are um a relaxation of face mask rules i think the the legal requirement to wear them in some indoor settings is going to be dropped from march 20 um one uh so that's just next month and you've got a uh, vaccine passports also um being dropped the vaccine passports of course were a bit of a controversial thing um very few people in parliament seem to want them and then they put them in and then yeah. there's a big backlash and now they're being dropped it seems like that kind of stuff's all been a little bit of a, a hassle that um I don't know. Did it make any difference? It seemed that like Nicola Sturgeon was quite quite happy to get rid of that one. I think so. Yeah, I think there's always touch and go whether she was going to introduce them, and then she did. And there's obviously a big backlash from from businesses and stuff, and it, it seemed to cause a, a lot of um, problems without a great deal of evidence that that they were they were making a difference. Uh, so yeah, I think you're right. I think she'll be glad to see that one back. And there are some differences with England, of course, self isolation is going to um remain in scotland that 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 requirement um when people uh test positive and i think there's a a commitment to kind of continuing um free testing as well um uh, uh unlike south of the border um you you, you mentioned that the, the weird situation where coronavirus legislation and rules is is somehow a, a light relief in, in an otherwise uh, grim week rachel are you feeling optimistic as we get towards spring it would be good to think that the hotter, warmer months of this year will be free from all these coronavirus rules after two whole years. Although things are changing and easing, I do wonder how much it will change immediately uh, with the face mask rule being dropped on March 21st. I mean, when we look at people on social media and their comments on this, a lot of people say they are still going to be wearing them, particularly in places like public transport. Um Dr. Sandesh Gilhani, he's a the Scottish Conservative spokesman for health. He's also a GP and he says he's going to continue wearing a face mask and he will ask his patients to as well if they're coughing. So I think certain parts of it will not be immediately wiped out from society, I don't yeah. think. Okay, well, that's, that's, uh, that's it for this week. Um, just raise me to say thanks to Callum Ross, Rachel Emery, Derek Healy, our guest Dave Dugan, producer Chris Finn, and of course, you for listening. We'll be back next week with more. But until then, and even after then, pick up or log on to The Courier, The Press and Journal, and all our news brands so that you can be better briefed. Cheerio. The Stushy is the politics podcast from DC Thompson Media, bringing together political journalists and commentators from all over the country so that you can be better briefed. Teams at The Courier, The Press and Journal, The Evening Telegraph, Evening Express and The Sunday Post work hard day and night, online, in print and beyond, to bring you careful reporting and analysis designed to help you understand the implications of what happens in Holyrood, in Westminster and in our communities. So you don't miss an episode, follow The Stushy today 
on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you know folk like you who want to understand politics in Scotland a little better, suggest they tune into the Stushi or follow Stushi Scott on Twitter and Facebook. You can get a free month of unlimited access to The Courier or The Press and Journal too. Just go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe or pressandjournal.co.uk slash subscribe or follow the links in the episode notes to be better briefed. Check the episode notes for details and terms.